Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 54. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Friday, Steelers Nation, this Black Friday. Hope everyone had a happy and full Thanksgiving, watching a lot of football on the television, of course. And for Steelers fans, getting ready for Sunday, 1 o'clock p.m. against the Cincinnati Bengals, another AFC North Road matchup for Pittsburgh, 6-4, and four not trying to lose the backup quarterbacks in back-to-back weeks. And of course, with the new offensive coordinator duo of Eddie Faulkner, uh, the actual interim OC and Mike Sullivan, the actual play caller for this game. So Dave, how you doing? How was your Thanksgiving? It was really, really well. It went really well. And uh, I have a full belly still and it's got a lot of food left in the refrigerator to eat on today and got some foot more football later on this evening. Uh, the football games uh, on Thanksgiving didn't, they, they were a little bit, they were duds overall, right? You know, uh, one sided for the most part. I, boy, Green Bay. Uh, we talked about Jordan Love a couple of weeks ago, right? Uh, ahead of that game and and talking about which which quarterback would you rather have at the time. I remember talking a little bit about that. <laughs> boy, I boy, if uh, uh, Kenny Pickett comes out and has a, ha- has a game uh, similar to what uh, Jordan Love put up uh, in that game against the Lions, I don't know. We might uh, might think about building a statue. <laughs> 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 he he really was efficient in that game and uh, kind of. Uh, that's 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 the Jordan Love that they kind of hope uh, or had hoped that they uh, had drafted there. He really really looked good overall. So how was your Thanksgiving? It was good, and I'm a fan of the blowout games on Thanksgiving, just because I can just sit back and like half pay attention to it and enjoy my just turkey sitting in my belly. So that's I, I, the one time a year I'm okay with a game not being competitive. Mm, all right. Well, there there were a lot a lot of that on Thursday yeah. for sure. I assume your favorite part was the Jack Harlow halftime show. I bet you. Were really oh yeah. It, yeah. I was, I was tuned in, in into that. Uh, Boy, Dolly, uh, seeing Dolly Parton in a, in a cheerleader. I didn't have that one on my bingo card uh, either there. So uh, anyway, onward we go. I got to ask you something I never asked you before. Are you a fan of Creed? Because this is the time of year everyone talks about the 2001 or 2002 halftime show that they did, which I thought legitimately was was really good. Are you a Creed fan and kind of like your rock? Is that is that sacrilegious in terms of where you come from? Not. I mean, I played a lot of it uh, and all it had to learn, you know, a lot lot of the songs and all like that. Not a huge fan over uh, of it overall, though. I don't. Uh, I don't cue that up on a YouTube machine or, <laughs> or on, on, on the, uh, MP3s or anything like that. Uh, and generally if it comes on the radio, I try to find something else to listen to it. All right. Point. I think yes. it was kind of oversold and, uh, at, at the time and yeah, not, not a big creep fan. I'm, I'm sorry. We probably, I probably lost some listeners there, but, <laughs> so uh, heavy creed demographic, I'm sure. but, but you are a creep fan, aren't you? I, I think they're fine. I think like higher is a solid song. I think it's, there, there's some some decent stuff. I don't listen to them religious religiously, but there, there's a couple of decent things All out right. there. But Dave, what we are tuning into today are Steelers Bengals this Sunday. 
A little bit later in the show, we'll have a Bengals beat writer on. We're excited about it. That is Jay Morrison, who writes and covers the Bengals for Pro Football Network. You can follow him on Twitter at by Jay Morrison. Does a Bengals podcast for PFN every Tuesday. So we'll talk to him in a bit, get his perspective on these Bengals looking for a win just as desperately as the Pittsburgh Steelers. Before we do that, though, Dave, let's talk about the injury situation for both these teams, primarily for Pittsburgh, according to their Thursday report. And of course, the Friday final report will come out here in just a little bit by the time people listen to this. But Minka Fitzpatrick, the only Steeler to not practice on Thursday, still out with that hamstring injury suffered in week eight against Jacksonville. Five players limited on Thursday. That's George Pickens with a shin, James Pierre with a shoulder. Montrevious Adams has returned to practice the last two days, Wednesday, Thursday, limited with the ankle. Cam Hayward just kind of being managed with that rest and groin. And Nick Herbig limited Wednesday, Thursday with the hamstring. So not looking good for Minka. Obviously, we'll check on Pickens, but I think this team will be mostly healthy in terms of its current roster. Sands, Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I was I was really hoping going into this week that, you know, uh, uh, at, at some point, at least by Thursday, we would see Minka, you know, get something done, maybe on a limited or even a full capacity. And that obviously, uh, didn't happen. Don't, they're not going to come out and say whether or not he had any, any sort of a setback or anything like that. But, uh, man, I, I really thought that, okay, he didn't, he wasn't able to play, uh, against the Browns. Maybe they just, you know, being extra careful with him to get him back for the Bengals game. But it, you know, barring, I mean, things we've seen things change in the past, uh, uh, late in the week, you know, on, on occasion, but I'm, I'm not hopeful going into this Friday that, uh, we will see Minka against the Bengals. So it might be, who knows, may, may, you know, ho- hopefully a week from now, uh, we're talking about him coming back. So it looks like Demonte Casey and Trenton Thompson will get the start. Thompson did not technically start the Browns game, but he played a majority of the snaps and coaching staff seemed pretty impressed with his communication tackling overall. I I know some people will ask Dave, why didn't Minka just go on IR when back in week eight after the injury occurred, hamstrings can be so tricky. You might've had some optimism that maybe he could come back sooner. And so you just try to roll the dice on that. So Hindsight 2020, of course, but those hamstrings, you just never know when they're going to perk up in the right direction. Yeah. The other thing, too, is if you had any thought that maybe you would get him back during uh, during that span of time. Plus, you have to have a certain amount of you know at least five inactive players in this team while it did go go through some uh obviously you know other injured players it wasn't like they were hard hard pressed for a roster spot especially when you have the ability to elevate a couple of players off the practice squad if you if you so choose and we've seen them uh do a couple of elevations over the last couple of weeks as well too so uh it was probably just a fact of they thought maybe there was a chance that he would be back within you know the the latter portion uh, uh, of, of the four weeks. And, and that obviously didn't happen, but uh, it's not like they, they lost a roster spot overall because of generally being, you know, you got, you got Firemuth back and you got some of these guys back and, and, and yeah, you had to go through the Montrevious Adams. I, long story short, uh, they weren't in a dire roster spot need there. What's your feeling on Adams? Does he come back? I mean, we'll get final game status today. He, Probably will be questionable if I had to guess yeah. these last two days. Maybe this is the week he can come in and play 15 snaps as a 
backup nose tackle? Yeah, look, I mean, you got Keanu Benton in there who's 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 going to get probably the lion's share moving forward anyway there. So, uh, you know, it obviously it could go either way. We'll see if he's able to go full on Friday. So uh, even if he does play, like you, you, you said there, it's more as a, a rotational piece there and probably more generated to helping on some passing downs. On the Bengals side, of course, Joe Burrow out for the season. Jake Browning will make his first career start at quarterback. The other injuries to note, and we'll talk about this with Jay in a little bit, but wide receiver T. Higgins is not trending in the right direction like Minka Fitzpatrick. He's missed the last several games with a hamstring injury, has not practiced this week. Cam Taylor-Britt, their top corner, has not practiced either. Maybe he could have a chance, but looks pretty questionable on that. And I think B.J. Hill's going to play in this one after that non-contact injury against the Ravens, which looks super scary. And he's a really important piece up front. So Higgins and Taylor Britt, of course, with Burrow, seem to be their headlining injuries entering this game. Yeah, boy, it looks a lot different than it did going into that Thursday game, right? Uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, 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 of the Bengals there, when you look at this team from a health standpoint, uh, you obviously lose you know, a, a guy in Joe Burrow and it's not looking great for T. Higgins uh, at, at this point. And, uh, Cam Taylor Bretts, you know, another one's really coming on for them that doesn't look like he's going to play. So uh, they looked, even though they've had the long week and all like that, uh, the Steelers look, even though, you know, obviously probably not going to have Minka Fitzpatrick there, but the Steelers look like the healthier of the two teams right now. They do. And just uh, some news coming in right now, not relevant to the Steelers, but according to uh, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, the commanders have fired Jack Del Rio, their defensive mm. coordinator, after, of course, getting enrolled by Dallas on Thanksgiving. And so Ron Rivera sounds like he's going to take over the defense, but of course don't expect Ron Rivera to be the coach in 2024. So they might just try to ride the rest of this thing out. All right. All right, Dave, the coordinators were speaking on Thursday and usually we're talking about Matt Canada and her loss. And of course this was the first time in a, a coordinator uh, fashion hearing from Eddie Faulkner. Mike Sullivan did not speak to the media, at least that we're aware of not posted on Steelers.com. So it was Faulkner who uh, has the loan title of interim Offensive coordinator uh, Sullivan still has his quarterbacks coach title, but we know he'll be the play caller on Sundays. Um, I, I, I thought it was a really good first interview for Faulkner. Not that that's, I mean, you don't plan to win the interview. It's all about the results on Sunday and producing and winning and pick it looking better. But I thought Faulkner said all the right things. Um, you know, I think defended Matt Canada saying, that's my friend. That's my guy. We as a coaching staff take responsibility for the struggles. It shouldn't all fall on Canada. But then focusing on, hey, focusing on Cincinnati and trying to keep things simple and not try to completely change this thing, but really focusing on details and just doing the little things to make this offense go. Look, I thought he controlled that press conference pretty good overall. I thought he was real, uh, obviously positive. You know, I, I think he set the tone early with his with his opening statement, talking about Matt Canada, talking about how all of it's not on on Matt Canada, and uh, he he looked comfortable. Uh, uh, it didn't seem like you know at least that portion of his job now, which is standing up there every week and talking to the media was, 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 was too big for him, uh, whatsoever there. I, I thought some of the messages that he, look, uh, as we stated, 
there's not going to be sweeping changes with this offense. And he said in so many words, you're in the middle of the season here. Uh, there's, 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 there's not that much that you can change schematically overall. They will, you know, we, we hope to see some things that we pick up on tape overall, uh, here, but, uh, I, I, one of the other main takeaways with him was communication, uh, and Mike Tomlin, uh, that you know, that was something that Mike Tomlin hit on, hit on on Tuesday, liking uh, the fact that that Eddie Faulkner is a good communicator, along with Mike Sullivan there, and then that you know they're you know the big onus right now is just trying to fix some of the minor things that they 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 can fix in this offense moving forward. In terms of what you might expect to see Sunday, did Faulkner say anything that hinted at that? I do think it was a little more catch all and didn't specify uh-huh. too much about how this will work, which is fine. A, he wasn't asked about that in, in too much detail and, you know, B, we'll just kind of see how the product looks on Sunday, but not, I don't necessarily get a sense of what may change for this game. No, no, I, and I don't think either one of us really expected to, to get that out of that, mm-hmm. you know, anyway, not that there's, Look, uh, is there things that they can do schematically? Uh, you know, Ben Solick for the, for for uh, uh, for the ringer, I thought really did, had a nice video, twenty five minutes or or so, talking about some of the things uh, or all of the things that he didn't like uh, in 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 you know what he's seeing from the Matt Canada run offense. Uh, uh, specifically, you talk about things with the motion and all like that. You saw this stick out, uh, and I don't know how much you highlighted this. In, in your video the other day. I didn't get a chance to really watch all of that start to finish there. But uh, you know, some of the things they did with Allen Robinson with the motion, and this this isn't new. Uh, what some of the problems that they've had with motioning some guys really into <laughs> right into the box and into the play and create you know creating more work. Uh, specifically in the running game, uh, he he did a good job talking about, and you know, you've talked about the usage of Hank, uh, the Hank concept, constantly since since Matt Canada arrived uh, here, and how they spammed the living you know what out of that, and you know, he really broke down how uh, how ineffective at times, and really some of the decision making that goes along with it. it to me, it's more, I, I think some of the onus on, on Eddie Faulkner and Mike Sullivan this week is to tighten up some spacing. Maybe we see less motion, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, uh, to try to scale it back a little bit, uh, focus on communication. Look, you can't have some of the communication issues and men on the field, number of men on the field and uh, I, I would think that that more than anything, you try to strip some stuff, uh, you know, stuff out of this, especially when it comes to the negative play aspect. Because one thing, uh, and I don't know how much we talked about. I think we talked about this maybe on the live stream the other day here. Uh, a high, even though you had a lot of uh, 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 good runs in this game overall for the Steelers, there were a lot of negative plays. What did I count? Like nine. When it came to the true running plays that this team had against the Browns, there were still nine that went for one or fewer yards in that game that weren't weren't successful. Now you had one that was a one yard gain that was the Kenny Pickett uh, quarterback sneak, and that that picked up the first down, so that that's considered a successful play. But man, this goes back to and and they. 
they had run a, a couple of games together there where the 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 unsuccessful plays or the real negative plays they had kind of trimmed trimmed out of there. Going going into this game, I, I think you try to strip some of those things down. And once again, I, it'll be interesting to see how much motion they actually use and when they do do it, can they eliminate that motion that's just spammy mm-hmm. and 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 hurt really hurting more than helping. Just motion with a purpose and a plan. Right. And sometimes it just felt like there was some empty motion for the sake of motion. I've not even seen the video, but I imagine this was highlighted. I meant to tweet this out. I probably will after the show. But there was one play, middle of the game, and you just watch Allen Robinson just running sprints, basically left to right, left to right, for no real purpose. They didn't even fake jet action off of it, and he's not going to touch the ball in those situations anyway. It's not a guy that is worked in the receiver run game or not that often in the boot game. So just like... What is the point of that? You're just tiring your receiver out, essentially. So just just everything with a purpose, everything with a plan, and simplifying that, I, I think we'll do this offense some good. Yeah, and uh, Solik even hit on, you know, we talked about that uh, that one uh, scramble by Kenny Pickett there on that third down where you had kind of that Yankee concept mm-hmm. and uh, where they're not doing enough to draw defenders away uh, and uh, on that particular play, I think he had, he had he had noted that Kenny Pickett had a three-step drop and the ball wasn't out at the time. And the depth of the crossing uh, on that particular play uh, at the time, Kenny Pickett's hitting the back leg, uh, hitting the back step on that three-step drop. Uh, both both the receivers were still crossing in the middle of the field, so he couldn't throw it at that. Little things like that. You know, yeah. The, Although the, I can understand shorter drops when you're facing Miles sure. Garrett, because if you get sure. a five, seven step drop, making it life harder on the tackle. All right. Well, de- how about decreasing the depth of of where those guys cross at? You know, to, mm-hmm. to, uh, uh, little things like that. And how, how about something that that will help draw the linebackers away a little bit? So you know, Solak po- pointed out that you know if you had uh, a middle to the field route in that instance there, that would have uh, kept 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 the uh, second level linebackers. Uh, a little bit more occupied where maybe where maybe Kenny Pickett can hit that uh, at the back step of his drop there. Little, little deep that that's why I envision right now. The focus has to be on, uh, on this offense right now, immediately with this change. Now you can obviously start adding on uh, things moving forward. And I suspect they will or are going to try to add things onto that running game uh, to help the passing game. Uh, immediately here in this game against Cincinnati, but some of the others, you know, how about tighten up what you do well, you know, sure. uh, or, or tighten up some of the things that should work, uh, that you already do, you know, things like spacing, things like mixing up some route concepts to occupy some defenders. So it's more of a, uh, yeah, I view this week more as a quick, another, uh, quick, uh, self, uh, rescout here on this overall. So once again, not expect, I didn't, you know, and, and Eddie's not going to come out here uh, and tell us things that they're they're going to change and, 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 you know, uh, 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 things that they're going to add and maybe take away there, but uh, just kind of strip down what you do and, and, and do the things that you do well and tighten up some of the other things that, that, that aren't working well. One other thing that caught my attention from Faulkner was he harped on he's a detailed guy. He's really about getting the little things right. And of course, every coach says that every coach professes that that should be their goal. 
but maybe this offense in some respect wasn't as detailed as it should be. And again, making those big changes to the playbook can be hard, but I go back to, and and we should have probably had that conversation. That's my mistake when the comments first surfaced in that Packers game or ahead of it, Jay Sternberger, the former Steelers tight end. Remember he talked about mm-hmm. that in the, in the Canada playbook, you know, you have your route and it would just be, okay, you got a, you got a slant, you got a five yard out like that. That's all it was. And when he said, whenever he was in green Bay with Lafleur, you know, it was really detailed of we're going to run this route at five yards. And if the, you know, wait for the slant, you know, it's just, you'd have real coaching points on your individual route. So I think you see kind of a lack of route running by these receivers as well, lack of detail. And I don't know if Faulkner can really change all that instantly, but just having some more detail on, on real specific coaching points to me, I'm a big fan of the adage, you know, aim big, miss big, aim small, miss small. If you can get detailed and as granular as possible, then you're going to have a less margin for error. And those guys are going to be very clear about what they have to do uh, to do. Yeah. Look, I've read an article uh, maybe it was the athletic, I think, uh, about Brian Dayball and how Brian Dayball does such a great job of explaining to his quarterbacks and his players of, of what they're trying to do and why they're trying the why. to do it. Yeah. The why, uh, the why you know, uh, yeah, all these receivers, no concepts and all like that. But but do they really know against a zone or a man or or, you know, uh, you know, cover two or cover one, why exactly they're running this concept here uh, or why this route combination can be effective and what you're, you know, uh, and, and, you know, we don't know to what degree that, that Matt Canada was, you know, maybe he, you know, maybe there's some offensive coordinators that just assume players know that kind of stuff. But if you can explain the better that you can communicate uh, you know, because all, all these guys should know the routes and all like that. But sure. if you, and 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 the play and all like that. But if you can b- better get these these players and the quarterback specifically knowing the why of what you're trying to do there, uh, could could help tremendously. And and even if you have ten of eleven that know the why you need to have all 11 knowing the why, mm-hmm. you know, uh, little things like that. So maybe that can be a focus more like you stated on the details and the communication aspect right now. And this week specifically of trying to let these guys know not only, you know, uh, to do what they do better, but why exactly you're trying to do what you're trying to do on offense with some of these schemes. And of course you don't want to, overload information and slow these guys down there's a a line to walk there but you can still give them enough information in in, you know in a few words and still help them understand the goal of the play or some minor coaching point again i go back to that adage of aim small miss small and i'm paraphrasing a bit here but there was the story that bill walsh the you know great offensive mind for the 49ers the nfl you know some coaches would say on a slant route just hit the receiver in the chest but walsh would say i want you to hit you know, whatever it is, Jerry Rice between like the inside of the eighth and the outside of the the zero on his jersey, give a real specific, clear aiming point. So not just the chest, but the exact area of his jersey. And and that creates a clear picture for the quarterback and understanding of, okay, this is is exactly where I want the ball. And even if you miss a little bit, you're still going to be in the vicinity as opposed to just throw it in his chest. And so stuff like that, I think it'd be helpful for these guys. I, I think maybe for Canada, coming from the college game where these guys, it's a larger roster, Guys aren't around as long. Obviously, the football IQs aren't there. They're not. They're not veteran 
30-year-old players. You don't have some of those things because you're trying to keep things super simple so the whole group understands it. But NFL level, it's all about details, about you know being really specific and knowing these guys can handle this information. I guess people are listening and could be listening and saying, well, that all sounds great what you're talking about here, but why wasn't this happening with a Mike Sullivan and, and, and Eddie Faulkner uh, before now? Well, those guys are, are, are position specific coaches and probably don't connect, con, you know, obviously don't connect, con, conduct the overall mm-hmm. meetings and all like that. So uh, I would, I would envision that, you know, with, with, with Eddie Faulkner probably leading the meetings now, maybe, you know, more attention to detail possibly in these meetings it was my takeaway. Sure. It, it, it's a fair critique to say, hey, it's the same coaching staff that's still running the show. And so they have to prove it. And as you always say, Dave, don't tell me about the labor pain. Mm-hmm. Show me the baby. I mean, the results are what matters. If this offense has not produced results, the same criticism will be there. And rightfully so. So I think Faulkner understands that. So. I'm just trying to, you know, pull something from this interview to talk about and, and something that kind of caught my attention. And look, maybe maybe to some degree the players had tuned out Matt Canada for the most part, you know. Because, the frustration was there, yeah. Uh, because, you know, maybe not having, you know, maybe wait the way he was delivering his message weekly and about the game plan and, you know, just her overall confidence that we talked about possibly with, with, with some of these players on offense and all like that. So, uh, look, I mean, we're, we're not going to be able to talk about, you know, uh, in, anything further about this offense really until we see more of it moving forward without Matt Canada. And right. hopefully we do see some things that go, Oh, okay. Well, at least, you know, you know, uh, maybe motion, whatever motion they, they were using in this game was. And I think you put, put, put it, put it, uh, perfect there with, with purpose, mm-hmm. everything with purpose. And on the site, Steelers Depot, I have a checklist that just four things. I want to see this offense do schematically, Post Canada, and we've mentioned some of these before, better constraint plays, utilization of more interior people. You'd like to see some middle of the field, but just getting the ball. I mean, Calvin Austin, since week seven, has three receptions. Mm. Allen Robinson has five catches his last five games. No tight end has more than 41 yards in a game this season. It's hard to run your whole passing game just through your two outside guys and Johnson and Pickens. The run game should, or the, the pass game should start there. That should be the, the primary focus of it but it can't be the entire focus it feels like it is right now that makes life tough on your quarterback situational play calling of course very important the weighty moments i don't think canada really ever excelled there and then more actual concepts opposed to these mirrored independent routes of okay just a couple of comebacks a couple of out routes mirrored together you're not putting defenders in conflict you're not really creating reads for your quarterback and when your quarterback is struggling you need those things I think if you're a fan and you're looking forward to this this game, some of the things we've already talked about. Obviously, you want the run game to 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 keep functioning the way the run game has functioned uh, without uh, you know these negative plays that we saw, especially the volume of you. I mean, you're you're still going to probably have some negative plays in there. You want the volume of of negative, uh, specifically run plays to go down. Uh, mm-hmm. You want to still see you uh, be able to run the ball overall as good as you have these last couple weeks. Second, uh, I don't think you're going to see a Christmas tree uh, passing chart like you saw Dak put together, <laughs> uh, Dak Prescott in that game uh, yesterday, but you would like to see the middle of the field utilize, you know, any 
some more than what you've seen it uh, so far. Uh, shot plays. We, we, uh, you got to see uh, this uh, the ability to to be a little bit more creative with some of your shot plays. And then, as we've talked about ad nauseum, you know, we got to see this offense convert these third downs uh, more regularly and specifically in situations where they're third and five yards or fewer to go. Right. I'm with you. And I don't have the percentages, but Pittsburgh on the season, excluding quarterback Neal's 49 rushes that gain negative or zero yards. That's around top 10 worst in football and Pittsburgh's closer to the bottom in rush attempts. So from a percentage standpoint, it's probably one of the highest percentage of negative plays, uh, rushing plays in football. So that has to be cleaned up for a run heavy team. Yeah, look, I mean, second and 11 and, you know, second, you know, anything that puts you behind the chains on those early downs, especially because it, then it puts so much onus on the second down play uh, to even get yourself maybe in a third and five or fewer situations. And just overall, they have not done a great job of converting any uh, third down situation there. So uh, I think if we come out of this game with, 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 with you know the the run game specifically having negative plays of oh the young only had two or three negative plays that's you know that that helped it can't help but help this offense mm-hmm. overall I don't think you know and then you know it goes without saying that you know Mike Tom circling back to what Mike Tomlin said on Tuesday there man we got to score more points to help engineer I'm going I'm going to I'm going to go full <laughs> Matt Canada on you uh, again here. Yeah, you got to put more points on the board here to help this, you know, to help the overall uh, plan of engineering victory come, 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 you know, come to fruition there. Sure. And I'm looking up right now Pittsburgh's numbers on first down because that's been a criticism, I think, under Canada for many years, his entire tenure, where Pittsburgh has been one of the worst teams on first down in football. This year, they're averaging 4.8 yards per play on first down, and that's about 27th in the NFL. And they've hung around. 30th to I think they're dead last over Canada's entire tenure on first down so you know you got to find the rhythm early you got to be in second and manageable especially for a third third down offense that has been just abysmal the last two weeks do you put Jalen Warren on the field more in this game and the ball in his hands more in this game you know, I mean, yes. you're not going how, to how do you just, not yeah you're just not going to bench Najee I'm not suggesting no. suggesting doing that but man that 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 that's your hot hand right now right i mean you can't have jalen warren have nine carries and get out snapped by Najee in a game where warren was the guy i, I thought Najee ran fine in that game i thought early you know he, sure. I, I think he i think he's run well overall this season the big plays aren't there of course like warren's capable of i'm not knocking Najee, but but warren's really giving you some juice some spark right now and that Bengals run defense is pretty soft dave they, they've not done well this year so there's a chance for some big plays against mm-hmm. them Look, use Najee as the hammer later in the game when you have hopefully a seven or an eight point game after after using Jalen at that point, touching the football 17 times, 16 times. It's a question for our Friday five today later on the site, but who will get the first carry on Sunday against the Bengals? Harris or Warren? Uh, I'll probably go Najee because you don't want to. Yeah. Don't want to hurt his feet, you know. You don't want to upset the apple cart too much. But after that first play, I think I get Jalen on the field <laughs> and a ball in his hands for the next six or seven. 
Yeah, I think Najee will still technically start, still technically get the first carry, but I think the uh, the committee will still exist, but now start leaning towards Jalen Warren, whereas it's been slightly leaning towards Harris throughout most of the season. And I, I think it's important to reiterate before we get uh, returned uh, Najee haters here. Najee has done very well these last, you know, as part of this run game resurgence. It's just you've got more pop when you have uh, uh, Jalen and the football in his hands. If you look from a broken tackle perspective, the top two backs in football are essentially Jalen Warren and Najee Harris. Warren's numbers are better, but Harris is right behind in terms of those metrics, total broken tackles, broken tackle percentage, things like that. So those guys have run really hard, but you're getting some of the bigger plays. Najee's had more this year than last year mm-hmm. in terms of explosive run plays. Oh, look, so, I mean, I that's mean, been there. Yeah, look, and, and that's something we talk about when it comes to Najee since he came out of college, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, not disappointed in any way, shape, or form that we're seeing that. It's just Jalen, Jalen's got pop to him right now, and he's a hot hand. You got to yeah. get the ball in his hands as many times as possible. What was the stat that you had on him and the uh, the, the Ravens? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, um, since 2017, only two running backs in the NFL have rushed for 125 yards or more on single digit carries. They both have happened this year over the last couple of weeks. That's Jalen Warren against the Browns and Keaton Mitchell of Baltimore a couple of weeks ago, I believe against the Seattle game. I think it was only two guys to do it since 2017, both in the AFC North, both undrafted. I think you hear a fungible comment. Oh, all right. You teed that one up for me, didn't you? <laughs> uh, you know my feelings about running backs, but uh, I, I, you got to go with your hot. Long story short, I want to see the ball in Jalen's hands more than we saw it in the game against the Browns. Me too. And fun fact, since 2010, only three running backs uh, in the NFL have rushed for 125 plus yards on single digit carries. Warren Mitchell this year and in 2016, Jeremy Hill of the Bengals, also in the AFC North and like Hill or like Warren, I should say, Hill had a 74-yard touchdown in that Mm. game. So fun with numbers is my stats of the weird of the week. All All right, Dave. Terrell Austin speaking to the media. Less fanfare with him, but Austin had a lot of valuable things to say, praising the inside linebacker room of Alandon Roberts, of Michael Walker, and talking about the veteran experience of Blake Martinez and Miles Jack. Uh, What do we we call this? Miles Jack, electric Boogaloo or something. This is his, his take two, whatever it is, um, in his return to the veteran experience that Martinez and Jack will bring this team. Yeah, uh, and I, I think it'd be interesting to see what happens with Leonard still out there, cleared waivers and all like that. But at least right. they're they're getting some veteran guys in there that uh, that have played a lot of ball. Uh, it sounds like it. We might be a week or two away from seeing Miles Jack, but I have a feeling at some point we're going to see both those guys on the field. Uh, Blake in, in, in some role, Blake Martinez in miles Jack. It did sound like though, I, forget, I should pull up the exact quote, but Austin was saying, you know, if we suffer another catastrophic injury, then those guys can hop in. So does that mean that those I'll guys won't in. play until somebody, you know, were to get hurt, it, 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 essentially implying that Walker's still going to be able to be the guy until, you know, God forbid another injury occurs. Yeah, it's possible. Now, look, Landon Roberts did everything and more that you wanted him to do against the Browns. Mm-hmm. You know, so he was great, uh, and he he was great. Uh, uh, Walker, obviously, as we've talked about, has played a lot. You know, for for a guy coming in, being asked what he's what he was asked to do, you know, had 
he's, he had some experience on, on, on an NFL field filled with, you know, a thousand something snaps already at that point there. But, uh, uh, you know, is this insurance, you know, uh, it sounded like it to me, obviously these guys have to get up to speed and Jack's got to right. get in shape and all that kind of stuff. I mean, we'll see how it looks. Uh, let's see. Percentage wise was Porter on Cooper about as much as he was on Deandre Hopkins. He said, yeah, probably be interesting to see what happens with Jamar chase this week. Uh, we've talked about kind of envision him. He says any, uh, did it, was he asked specifically about Porter following chase? He was, but he did not answer because right. Austin said, why, why would I tell you that information? I expect Porter to be on chase quite a bit, especially if T Higgins does not play, which seems likely. All right. What what other takeaway did you have? He thought uh, Trent Thompson represented himself pretty well, and I think the tape kind of backs that over up up overall. You'd like to see uh, Thompson come away with that takeaway in that mm-hmm. game, uh, but uh, uh, I thought overall Thompson represented himself well. Yeah, I thought the communication from the secondary overall was pretty clean. Um, you know, I, I think for all the moving pieces, just from the personnel standpoint, and they played a lot of different packages in that game. They were going three safety sets against 13, against 13 personnel. And they were, you know, having some uh, kind of three, four nickel packages with one safety and three corners against 11. So you're kind of rotating a lot of people in, in different looks. And I just thought the communication seemed pretty clean for all these pieces and um, just, you know, just dealing with everything you had to deal with in this game. All right. Anything else? Uh, Tara Austin said that, that, that hit you. I don't want to belabor the point. I wish he was asked about Mark Robinson. I just want to get the input there. I mean, I guess everything that can be said has been said, but no, that covers it on Austin. Uh, how about Miles Jack? Is he the most interesting man in the world, Dave? He's flying planes. He's coming. Oh, uh, owning a plumber, hockey. Ha- yeah. Owning the Allen Americans and uh, he's back playing football. Yeah. Look, I just, I, I just wonder how much he has left in the tank really. And really Blake Martinez as well. Well too. So, uh, but I mean, you get what you get this time of year. It will be interesting to see uh, if there's if they make any play whatsoever for a guy like uh, Leonard. Right, he's still and, out and there. Really, so he's you know, you still kind of wonder where he's at health wise and at sure. at this point in his career. Did we know that Miles Jack had surgery mid season last year? I forget. Was that a thing that was reported? Was it because he had he had mentioned that Jack that he had I think groin surgery was it during the season? I don't. I can't remember. I don't remember either. Anyway, but we know he certainly was was hobbled and not running well, and so hopefully just better health this year um, can obviously help. All right. All right, Dave. I think it's a good time to take a pause here and get with our beat writer of the week. That man is Jay Morrison, who covers the Bengals for the Pro Football Network. You can and should follow Jay on Twitter at by Jay Morrison. Check out his podcast every Tuesday on the Pro Football Network. Let's take a pause and come back with Jay. And welcome back to the Terrible Podcast. It is Friday, and that, of course, means we have a beat writer on who covers the Steelers' opposition this week. Uh, Week 12, uh, divisional game, Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. And we are pleased to be joined by Jay Morrison. You probably recognize the name. He's been covering the Bengals for many, many years, I think with the Cincinnati Inquirer and then the Athletic. And then right now he is the beat writer covering the Bengals for Pro Football Network. Uh, You can follow Jay on the Twitter machine at by Jay Morrison. It's B-Y-J-A-Y Morrison. And we hope you reach out and uh, let them know that you heard them on the podcast. So with that, the day after Thanksgiving, we know his time is valuable. Jay, welcome to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. 
absolutely. Jay, big game, obviously, AFC North game yeah. uh, this week. And, uh, look, uh, coming off of the long week for the Bengals, uh, this was really kind of the game that you looked, uh, you know, at least heading into that game last Thursday with the Bengals are thinking, man, maybe they can get back in this thing. Obviously, the unfortunate wrist injury with uh, Joe Burrow in that game has really changed, you know, changed the, the complexion moving forward here. They're going with Jake Browning uh, moving forward here. Just your overall thoughts now, kind of a 30,000 foot, you know, uh, look kind of reset, if you will, of this Bengals team with, I mean, look, you, you lose a guy with, uh, you know, and Joe Burrow to, to that kind of injury. Now it really shakes things up, but uh, give us kind of a look and, and overview on the Bengals coming out of this long week here as they prepare to host the Steelers. Yeah, I think they're they're kind of a dangerous team right now. It's it's like they're playing with house money. Nobody expects him to do anything now that they lost Joe Burrow. And um, you know, obviously he is the face of the franchise. He's what he what he is what makes this team go. But you you don't go to back to back AFC championship games in a Super Bowl with just one guy leading you. This is a really talented roster and um Big, big question mark with with Jake Browning, what, what he can do. Obviously, he's not going to be as as good as Joe Burrow. He's he doesn't have the time on task where, you know, he's 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 a very intelligent guy and, and understands defenses. But he he hasn't been in the fire to, to see the, the pre snap looks and then how things change and all that stuff that goes into the, the experience of playing the quarterback. This is his first NFL start. The, the Thursday game against Baltimore were his first meaningful snaps. I mean, this guy's been in the league since 2019. He's been a practice squad lifer. So um, he he can make plays with his feet. He, he's very elusive in the pocket. He can make throws on the run. He doesn't have the arm Joe Burrow has, uh, but he has the weapons. Um, and, and that's why I think this could be a dangerous team. I don't think that this is not an ideal matchup, obviously going against a, a great Steelers defense for him to kind of dip his toe into the, the, the starting waters. But I do... It, one thing that that struck me about that that game against Baltimore, Jake Browning averaged ten point six air yards per attempt. Mm. Joe Burrow has never done that in any game in the NFL, even in twenty twenty one when they were catching everybody by surprise, lighting everybody up with all those deep balls to Jamar Chase. Browning's not afraid to take shots. He's not afraid of much of anything, and that that's I think that that makes for a, a dangerous situation for an opponent coming in not knowing quite what to expect from this guy man having an air depth tar uh you know target like that uh that we don't know what that is <laughs> right now <laughs> in pittsburgh look when you look when you turn on the film obviously a small uh sample size there at the end the end you know when he took over for burrow in that game but i and alex and i were talking ahead of time uh there I mean, he's not afraid to throw throw to the field it didn't look like it was too uh, to the middle of the field it, it mm -hmm. didn't look like it was too big for him overall and even though people the the name jake browning you know it doesn't you know, people don't know a lot about him. Like you said, he has been in around the league here uh, for a little bit now. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously the game plan was geared around what Joe Burrow does and for him to come in. We saw a lot of RPOs and you saw him try to, you know, immediately come into the game, get him some easier throws there. What is one of the, just kind of the biggest thing, and maybe you hit on it uh, already of what you know and have seen out of, out of Jake Browning so far, was it just the ability to push the football down the field and throw to all, all, all areas of the field and the athleticism? Is that kind of the things that have stuck out about what you know about him at this point? 
Yeah, it's more so the athleticism. Um, that's what he really opened some eyes last year in the preseason, um, making plays, uh, scrambling, making throws on the run. The pushing the ball down the field, I, I think it's important to note, but it, you also have to remember that game was out of hand. And, and so he didn't really have much to fear. It's like he might as well take some shots down the field and try to get something going. Um, what I, I think a lot of people that, that you know, if anybody that's not familiar with the Bengals that went back and watched or even the, the Bengals fans – they look at what Jake Browning in the pre did in the preseason, and yes, he made some plays with his feet, but overall, it wasn't good. What 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 people need to remember is when he was playing in the preseason, he was playing with with second and third string guys. This this off season, I mean, it was a battle for that backup spot between him and Trevor Simeon. And I think the Bengals, I think a lot of people expected Trevor Simeon to win that job, and and he did not. He and it's not like he lost it. Jake Browning won that job, so uh, they they were alternating snaps um, or halves, I should say, in the preseason. So either Browning was out there with the second string guys or he was out there with the third string guys. And they it, the offense just never did much in the preseason. But what we saw, the, the, you know, the beat writers, the people that were at training camp every day, when he was taking all those first team reps in practice because Joe Burrow was out with the calf injury. And even last year when Burrow was out with the appendectomy, uh, Bur- uh, Browning got way more snaps in, the, in training camp than he would normally he looked pretty good. I mean, they the offense got the better of the defense about half the time in training mm-hmm. camp when 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 he had T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, all those weapons at his disposal. So um he, he's a guy, he's there's no fear. Uh it's not going to be too big for him. And it they have said that the even though this offense was designed around Joe Burrow, the playbook is wide open. And that yes, they will ask Jake what he likes. Uh, Brian Callahan, the offense coordinator, had a funny line that, yeah, in that um, Baltimore game. Once he came in after a couple series, they're like, you know, what do you want? What do you want? And, and Browning's like, I don't care. Just call it. Whatever you call, I'll run it. And he felt comfortable with anything. He doesn't want it dumbed down for him just because he doesn't have the experience. So um, I, I think that is a, a big part of this is finally getting to see him with all the weapons around him minus T. Higgins. It doesn't look like T. Higgins is going to play. Real quick before I, before I turn it over to Alex here, you know we you noticed that uh, T Higgins. It doesn't look like he's trending toward playing here. Maybe yeah. you've got some uh, better information there. I know Sam Hubbard's banged up, and one of their corners in 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 Cam Taylor Britt, uh, who's been fun to watch, is a little bit banged up too. Can you give us kind of? I, I know it's Friday, and Friday's a big practice, and, and the injury report will tell us a lot about that later this afternoon. But what's your outlook on injuries for this team heading into this game? Yeah, they seem optimistic about Sam. He's missed two games with an ankle injury. He was limited the last two days in practice. Uh, you know, today will be a walkthrough. I would imagine he'll be listed as a full participant. I, I think we'll see Sam play. He's, he is one of the best edge guys in the league when it comes to defending the run. I mean, he, he, he does a good enough job rushing the passer, but he's terrific against the run and they've really missed him the last couple games. Um, both Houston and Baltimore ran all over this defense. Uh, so that'll be big if they can get him back. Uh, Cam Taylor Britt, as you mentioned, he's got four interceptions. He's He's been really good since he took over as, as a starter midway through last year. Has not practiced. I, I don't know if we're going to see him. I think they'll be more patient with him because they drafted DJ Turner out of Michigan in the second round. And he started the last six games opposite Cam Taylor Britt while Chidobe Awuzie, last year's starter, has still kind of been working back from an ACL and a back injury. So I, I, I wouldn't, I'd be surprised if Cam Taylor Britt plays. I think you're going to see Awuzie and uh, DJ Turner be the starters on Sunday. And then Higgins, it just doesn't, he's missed two games with a hamstring. He hasn't practiced yet. Um, it, it'd be surprising at this point. Um, you know, again, just a 
going through a walkthrough today, even if he goes full, I, I just I think they're going to hold him out at least one more week. Sure, it's a similar vibe with Pittsburgh. I mean, Fitzpatrick who has been out yeah. since week eight with his hamstring injury. To go back to the offense, Jay, looking at the offensive line, Orlando Brown Jr., the big name brought in, how has he done his first year with the team, and how has Jonah Williams made that transition to the right side? I think he was initially resistant to the idea, but then, of course, had to make that move. Sounds like he's held his own. Yeah, I, I, that may be the matchup of the game is Jonah against T.J. Watt because, as you mentioned, Jonah's been a career left tackle. And TJ doesn't line up on that side mm-hmm. very often at all. So he, this is going to be his first heavy dose. And, and Jonah's been a serviceable guy through his career. Uh, but when he's gone against the likes of Miles Garrett and those elite guys, he's 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 not done well. And um, I, I think that's a big reason why they made the switch. They brought in Orlando Brown. Uh, I, I would argue Jonah's probably been their best lineman this year, making that switch to right tackle. He's looked really good. He's he's making a lot of money for himself. I don't see him in the Bengals' plans moving forward. He might be the best tackle available in free agency. It's what whether a team wants to put him back on the left side or put him at right, we'll, we'll see. But uh, he's had a really good year. Orlando's been serviceable. I mean, not bad, not great, not not what I think they expected when they paid him all that money, um, mm-hmm. but but good enough. Uh, the, the real issue is the the interior. Alex Cap has kind of taken a step back this year. Um, and then Cordell Volson, who they started as a rookie last year, they were really hoping for a big leap this year in his second year. And it's kind of going the other way. So um, could be a big day for Cam Hayward and, and the, the interior guys for this Steelers pass rush, because uh, that's where a lot of the the pressure has been uh, against Burrow in, in the in the first 10 games has been coming up the middle um, more so than off the edge. I remember Hayward welcoming Volson to the NFL last year in yes. the week one game. So we'll see how the matchup looks this time around to to kind of bounce off what Dave was talking about with the receivers, maybe not focusing on this game, but just big picture. What is the future of that Bengals receiver room look like? I assume they want to keep chase at some probably top value deal. How many years does Tyler Boyd have left? He's a free agent after this season. What's the future of T Higgins? Do you think this room will be broken up? That's been so consistent for a couple of years. Will this room look much different in one to two seasons? Yeah, I think next year, I, I think we've seen Joe Burrow throw his last pass to T Higgins. I just, I don't mm. see them bringing T Higgins back. I, I fully expect Jamar to get a, a, you know, reset the market deal this, this coming off season when he's eligible for that extension. Uh, there's no way they're going to let that guy go. Uh, they've already got obviously a ton of money in Burrow, ton of money in Orlando Brown. They've paid Sam Hubbard. They've paid Trey Hendrickson. They've, they've got a lot of big contracts out there. I just, I don't see where there's room to have that much money invested in two wide receivers. And I, I think T is going to be the guy that's, that's going to be elsewhere. And, and Tyler Boyd as well. They, they drafted Charlie Jones uh, in the fourth round. Um, he's He's been dinged up with a thumb injury. He's been terrific as a punt returner. We haven't really seen him much as a receiver, but he's the slot receiver heir apparent. Uh, you know, maybe if Tyler Boyd sees – you know, he he's at he knows he's at the end of his career. If he sees that this is the best chance to win a ring and stick around here, and he he takes a team friendly one year deal, I could see him sticking around. Uh, but but more than likely, I, I think you're going to see both Higgins and Boyd gone next year, and it's going to be Chase and and some newcomers. When you flip by and look at that defensive side of football, that you know uh, those guys up front have, and you already hit on it, Sam Hubbard. It'd be interesting to see if they get him back. BJ Hill playing well, Reader. Uh, we all know what Trey Hend- Hendrickson can do, and those two inside linebackers. Logan Wilson, just I mean, uh, and I know he's in the news lately with 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 the hip drop tackles and stuff like that. But I mean, Logan is is one of the top inside linebackers in the league, and he always seems to have big games against the Steelers from my memory there. Hmm. Uh, 
the Steelers obviously have, have, have had a, had a resurgence in their running game. And they'll probably try to lean on that a little bit more. Uh, what is the biggest matchup uh, in your eyes, especially if a guy like Cam Taylor Britt doesn't play, I think they've been playing a lot of zone. It looks like overall uh, yeah. in the defense and probably will play even a little bit. Uh, Kenny Pickett's just struggled, you know, get some zone looks anyway. So it wouldn't be surprising for Lou, uh, Lou, Lou Anarumo to, to come out and play a lot of zone in this, but what is kind of the biggest matchup maybe or something that the Steelers should try to exploit? You know, we, we expect them to run the ball or at least try to run the ball a lot this game, but we, what is something they can exploit on that defense? Yeah, I would say the over-pursuit. The, um, the, the Bengals are terrible on, on every run metric you can find, and it's they've they've had trouble with missed tackles, um, but overall, that that's the biggest problem has been these cutbacks, where where they string things out and guys make cutbacks, and and there's no backside help, and and it gets out for these huge gains, and they 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 lead the league in explosive runs allowed and, and explosive plays overall allowed, and and I, I just think that if Jalen Warren uh, has that that shiftiness where he can he can take it, stretch it out, and then cut it back. Uh, and find some big chunks that way. Um, you mentioned it. You know the, the the linebackers have been really good. They paid both of those guys too. Uh-huh. They paid Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson this offseason. Um, they've been solid, but the the secondary is young, and it's it's not just DJ Turner, the the rookie second round pick. Cam Taylor Britt's in his second year. Dax Hill is in his second year. Last year's first round pick, but he played 17 snaps last year, so he's basically a rookie. And now they've got Jordan Battle, the rookie third round pick, has taken over. This will be probably they're not committing to it but i fully expect to see him make his first start on sunday so it's it's that back end where they they are struggling with the missed tackles and the containment and if if the steelers can kind of reverse field and and find some stuff that's not there initially and get some big chunk plays which i know has been a struggle for that offense uh last year or last week 74 yarder aside I, i think that's an area where they can really exploit the Bengals defense uh, Steeler fans are obviously real familiar with Mike Hilton. Uh, how how has he played this year? I mean, he's been all right. He's they, they use him as a safety a lot on third down, so he's a little bit uh, out of position where you know he's not that full time slot corner. Um, still, bit a, a a solid slot guy. I think he's taken a little step back. Age has maybe caught up with him a lot, but he's a leader on this team. He does have an important role, um, and we haven't. You know, he, they, they bragged about him. He bragged about himself, the best blitzing slot corner uh, in the league. And we just haven't seen a lot of that this year, which is weird because Lou Anarumo is blitzing more this year than he has in the past. But it's it's been more with the linebackers or with those those outside corners coming off of the safeties. So uh, I, I know Mike always gets up for these games uh, against the Steelers. I, 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 I would expect. I would think Pittsburgh should expect to see his best this week, but, but overall um, it's just been, you know, maybe I don't want to say so, so year, maybe that's a little bit of a knock on him, but he hasn't been as good as he's been the last two years. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah. Just to, um, to talk about the safety pairing, because I thought the, one of the biggest losses any team suffered this off season was going from Jesse Bates and Von Bell and losing mm-hmm. both those guys, Bell to Carolina, Bates to Atlanta. You've kind of touched on it with Hill, a bit of Hilton, but how have they tried to replace, I think, two really big shoes to fill? Yeah, so Dax has done really well. It's you know, there's he makes young mistakes. The 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 bigger miss, they went and they got Nick Scott from the Rams. 
uh, a one-year starter, uh, a seventh-round pick, a career special teams guy. Um, gave him a three-year deal, but it's basically they can get out of it after this year pretty easily. It'll, basically, it'll end up being a one-year, $4 million deal. Uh, they signed him hoping he could kind of bridge the gap until Jordan Battle was ready. Uh, Battle hadn't come along as as well as they had hoped. Um, Nick Scott's really struggled. He he's he's out of position a lot. He 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 misses a lot of tackles. Um, gets beat for passes. It's just not been a good season for him, and it's really hurt them. I think they've gotten what they expected from Dak, where his athleticism kind of makes up for for some of the youthful mistakes. But that's not been the case with Nick Scott. And in that Baltimore game, uh, it was uh, eleven snaps into the game, the Bengals got hit for a crucial uh, twelve men on the field penalty. Nick Scott was that twelfth man. Lou Anarumo said it was his fault because of the way he was switching the safeties, but uh, the way he yelled at Nick when he came off the field, it didn't look that way. Nick did not play again in that game, and Jordan Battle came in, finished with a, a, a career-high 11 tackles, made some really nice open-field tackles against Lamar Jackson and Keaton Mitchell and those guys, and that's why I think this we're going to see a change on, on Sunday, and we're going to see Jordan Battle. If he doesn't start, he's definitely going to play the bulk of the snaps, but I, I expect to see him start, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be the – the new uh, the new era with with Dax Hill and Jordan mm-hmm. Battle against the Steelers. My last question for you, Jay. Then I'll have Dave finish things out. How do you just big picture define this twenty twenty three Bengals season? Is this just the Joe Burrow got hurt a lot season? Hurt at the start of the year with the calf. You know, obviously now out for the season. Is it almost hard to evaluate what the season was or could have been just because of the quarterback injury? Yeah, it really is. Um, he was a shell of himself early in that one and three start. Mm-hmm. They they went out to Arizona on the opening drive in Arizona. You saw him for the first time um, get out of pocket on purpose and stick his foot, that, that injured right calf, in the ground, throw back across his body for a touchdown pass, and everybody's like, okay, he's back. And they rip off four straight wins, and everybody's thinking, okay, this – now, now the, this is when the Bengals get going, and then that that Houston loss was was a, a killer because it, it it really dinged their playoff chances, and and then the following week they they he suffers the injury, the wrist injury, and it's just it's going to be really hard to evaluate this season as a whole. I mean that that's a huge asterisk where you know, Burrow wasn't healthy for camp, he wasn't healthy for the first games of the regular season, and now he's going to miss the the last half of the season. Um, it's Overall, it's a disappointment. I don't think anybody expected this team to be five and five at this point. And basically, looking—I mean, they're not going to be mathematically eliminated if they lose to the Steelers on Sunday. But it's going to be almost impossible for them to get back in this. That would put them at zero and four in the conference and or in the division, and one and six mm-hmm. in the conference. So even if they were to run the table, you're still talking about losing every tiebreaker against any team with the same record. Obviously, a lot of eyes you know, will, will be on Jake Browning at quarterback, and I would expect the Bengals to try to run, and I would expect the, the Steelers to try to shut down the run first and foremost. And if T. Higgins indeed does not play, we're kind of thinking we might see Joey Porter Jr. follow Jamar Chase around and then do some bracket stuff on him to try to take him away. I guess where I'm going with, with this is is Tyler Boyd, along with obviously Jake Browning, for, for, for obvious reasons, in here is Tyler Boyd kind of the key uh guy in this game that if they got a big game out of Tyler Boyd uh this could kind of be a, a you know uh, enough to turn the tables in this game 
Yeah, I think he can have a big game. I, I think the key is going to be Trenton Irwin. Um, he's he's a guy that last year when uh, Jamar was out, stepped up and had some huge games. And it's you see this all the time. A backup quarterback comes in and he leans on those backup receivers that he has the rapport with in practice. Good point. And, Good point. Um, and so it's he he really he that was the first throw he threw when he came in. The first ball he threw was to Trenton Irwin in that in that Baltimore game. And then the other thing is Tanner Hudson. Um, has been on the practice squad all year, the tight end, and they've elevated him. They finally signed, they elevated him for two games early. Then they finally signed him to the 53. And he and Jake have a really good connection from their, their practice squad, um, reps in, in practice after the season started. Um, so I think those two guys, Tanner Hudson and Trent Irwin are the two guys that, that could really help this offense get going. Big picture real quick. I know you got half a season left here, a little, uh, you know, a little less than half a season. What's your biggest need if you're looking ahead to the 2024 draft right now from where you sit right now? Yeah, I, man, it's tough. I Like I mentioned, they're, Jonah's probably gone, so they're going to need a tackle. Uh, Awuzie is going to be a free agent. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go corner again, even though they love DJ Turner and, and, uh, and Cam Taylor Britt. Um, another receiver, if T doesn't go, I mean, that's, that's going to be a big, big, they're going to have some choices to make. They're going to need interior linemen. I mean, it's going to be, it's, it's going to truly be a best player available because they're going to have plenty of needs. Um, and, and it, it seems crazy because you tell, you look at how good this roster is overall right now, but, uh, this is what happens when you pay the quarterback and you're going to pay the wide receiver and make him the highest paid guy at his position. Um, and Orlando Brown is up there too. There's hard decisions are coming um, and there's not going to be money in free agency to, to address them. So that's going to be a really, really interesting draft season for this team. All right, Jay, how do you see this one going on Sunday in Cincinnati there? I don't know if you do score predictions or not. Feel free to throw one out there, but uh, how do you see this one going? So on my podcast, I was so close to predicting a 10-10 tie, uh, but I just <laughs> could not go there. Um, I, I like the dangerous aspect of uh, of Jake Browning. I guess there's a dangerous aspect, too, with the Steelers having a new offensive coordinator, a new play caller. What, what What's that going to look like? They're not going to change the offense, but right. the, the philosophy might change a little bit. The, the aggression might change a little bit. Um but I, I did. I went 13-10 Bengals. Um, I, I just this team rarely loses three in a row, even though they don't have Burrow. They are at home. Um, the, the the Pittsburgh offense, I don't think, scares anybody that that could change Sunday because this Bengals this Bengals defense has given up a lot of points, a lot of yards. But um, I, I just I, I think it's going to be one of those nail biter games and uh, uh, an Evan McPherson field goal at the gun. All right. Uh, tell people what you got going on over at Pro Football Network right now. Yeah, so uh, we have our podcast, uh, the the PFN Bengals podcast drops every Tuesday, uh, posting about three or four stories a day covering all angles on the team. Uh, interesting story up right now where Jake Browning and Jonah Williams were high school teammates. Uh, they won a state title in California, uh, won every game by at least 42 points, won the state championship game by 61. This will be the first time they've started a game together since that season. Um, and then at, at Pro Football Network, it's everything's free. Uh, we have a ton of uh, betting um, content up there, a ton of fantasy content. It's a, it's a one-stop shop uh, for anything that you might be interested in NFL-wise. Jay, we certainly do appreciate your time, especially the day after Thanksgiving here, yeah. and we'll try to send people your way on the Twitter machine and over to Pro Football Network to take in all of your content there. You've been a great uh, guest on the Terrible Podcast, and happy holidays, and we 
may, may try to hook up with you later on in the season when these two teams get together. So thanks for being on the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex. Yeah, Dave and Alex, thanks a lot for having me on. It was, it was a good conversation. And welcome back to the Terrible Podcast. And again, our special thanks to Jay Morrison of Pro Football Network. Follow him on Twitter at by Jay Morrison. Check out the Bengals podcast every Tuesday, including this upcoming Tuesday after the Steelers and Bengals do battle. Dave, a uh, really good conversation with Jay. Has had Jay been on before? I can't remember if we had Jay on before, but a really good uh, conversation with him. I don't, I think he was a first timer and so. uh, he, he did a really, really good job. And obviously he's very experienced, been, been with uh, several outlets over the years and has, has covered that team for several years. So it was interesting to get, uh, we, re, you know, Paul, uh, uh, we, we tried to get our, our normal Bengals beat writer, Paul, uh, Daner, but uh, he is on vacation this week, so uh, he did say to reach back out to him uh, later on in the season there, but uh, it was different. Uh, uh, it was great having just a different mm-hmm. voice in there this time. For sure. All right, Dave, let's you and I preview this game. Of course, Pittsburgh 6-4 and four in this one. Bengals looking for a win after dropping that Ravens game, and more importantly, losing Joe Burrow for the season. Bengals 5-5 five and five on the season. Let's start with that Cincinnati offense led by now Jake Browning, who will make his first career start. But you and I talked about this before the podcast began. You know, it's it's a different feel compared to DTR. DTR, uh, second start, yes, but but a rookie fifth-round pick. Browning's been in the NFL since 2019. Just watching the second half of that Ravens game, it felt like he had control, autonomy over that offense. He ran it well, making checks, audibles, those types of things. So... It's not Burrow, obviously, not not even close, but it's not going to be this offense that feels like they can't win or, you know, make their plays with Jake Browning in the lineup. Yeah, look, and, you know, small sample size of him in that game against the Ravens. And as Jay pointed out, you know, playing from behind and, 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 uh, you know, ask, ask, you know, only so much you could ask him to do in that situation, because I, I would imagine most in a pra- during practice is all designed around Jay, uh, uh, Joe Burrow. Uh, but look, I he you know he made some throws to the middle of the field. He tried to push the football down the field. Uh, they uh, you try early first snap, move him out out of the pocket there, and kind of make an easy throw uh, for him in that situation. Had some RPOs and 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 all in there early on. Uh, I would expect early in this game for the Bengals try to lean on Joe Mixon uh, with, with 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 you know some of their gap runs because they they like to pull their offensive linemen as well uh, there. And you probably see some RPOs to get them kind of settled into the, into this game. Uh, overall, not having T Higgins is going to be big in this game. Uh, probably not a guy that you're going to, that you're lean on heavily to push it deep down the field uh, with him. But my overall sense in watching those, those snaps against the Ravens was it, was it too big for him? Right. I'm with you. I mean, obviously the results weren't there, but it felt like he was in command and in control and at least let a, a game or not a game winning, but a, a, a touchdown drive at the end of that game, which I know was garbage time, but at least you have something to feel good about. You connected with Jamar Chase to to finish that one off. Um, yeah, I think the run game will still be important. They're going to run power to the boundary with Joe Mixon, bit of inside zone as well. Might see some RPOs in this game to kind of make some cleaner reads for Jake Browning. So some two by two kind of spreading the field out. No one attached to the formation, no tight end in line 
uh, kind of moving those guys out to maybe either lighten the box or the run, or just kind of have almost a college feel of, of really you know using the entire width of the field. So you may see that with Browning, some play action. I would expect some over routes. You know, they'll align three by one and kind of run these crossers the other way, these these bending routes to come um, you know to the other side of the field. So um, I think you're going to see generally conceptually the same offense. Just the question is, how well can they execute? Yeah, I, and I would try to throw as many different looks as I could at him if I'm the Steelers' defense in this because I want to I want to see how much he's actually because uh, he obviously hasn't played. He has been around the NFL for a while, but obviously has not played uh, a lot. So I want I want to try to give him as many different looks and and have him try to decipher some stuff on uh, you know on, on, on the go here and 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 look. I mean, I is. is Jake Brunning can still move. He's got some athleticism to him. So I don't know how much man you're actually going to play in this, in this game overall, but within that, you're probably going to see Joey Porter follow uh, Jamar chase uh, around quite a bit. But I, once again, I would try to give Jake Browning as many different defensive looks as I could in this game. I, I want to agree, but when you have a defense, a secondary that's young, especially at safety, wonder how many you want to keep things simple for your guys too. Um, but yeah, I, the the veteran guys in that secondary they have to make plays. I'm looking you at can Patrick do it with pre, pre, you can do it with different pressure looks though. You know, yeah, there's some pressure looks for sure. But just making sure things are communicated cleanly when you've lost so many of those central guys and Holcomb, Alexander, Minka. I I just there's you want to do some of that for sure. There's just a, a line and, and a potential consequence to it. But I I just want to see these veteran guys make a play, whether it's Casey or Peterson, they they have to make these rookie quarterbacks or these young quarterbacks pay and make some plays in the football. Well, look, you got it. You got to stop the run first and foremost with them. And that's, that's what the Steelers say that they, the the goal is every game. So you can't let Joe, Joe Mixon uh, come out early and start running downhill and get ahead of the chains. Cause that's going to make life that much easier for, for Browning at quarterback there. So you got to stop the run first and foremost. Uh, you can't let uh, uh, Jamar chase get behind you in the passing game. And you can't let uh, Jamar chase get the ball running out in space overall. Mm-hmm. I think for them overall, and I, I mentioned this to Jay uh, Tyler Boyd could play a very significant role. I, I think Tyler Boyd could be uh, uh, one of the keys in this game for them offensively. Okay. Do you think downfield? Because it feels like he's kind of become their possession no, but, receiver. Uh, right. But on possession downs, on third yeah. downs and and, and, sure. and things along those lines, especially in the makeable type situations uh, there where you're not necessarily going to push the football down the field and have to get away from the run. Uh, you got to be on your screws when it comes to Boyd because he can move the chains. Sure. Peterson on Boyd, a couple of vet veteran savvy dudes, might be some fun matchups. I think you also travel Porter on Chase because you don't want Peterson on Chase. You know, that's a matchup trying to run with him. That's going to be difficult on Peterson. So I think you try to get that guy inside. Watch out for the tight ends and, and just kind of the seam overall. You see Tanner Hudson making some plays. Jay mentioned Trenton Irwin in this one. Just watch out for kind of the, those seam balls from from Jake Browning. He threw one, I think, against the Ravens that I think hit or almost was completed. He, he'll definitely you know, test it. And I envision them uh, on, on offense saying, "Look, uh, don't don't turn the football over." <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. uh, in other words, I expect them to be fairly concerned. I mean, they're going to have built-in shot plays and things as well, too, as you would expect uh, with them. But uh, I envision them having a short passing game and 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 just trying to get this thing to the fourth quarter as well, too. 
And they do a great job taking care of the football. I believe they only have eight or nine giveaways this year. Their turnover differential is plus 10. Only Pittsburgh is better in the NFL at plus 11. So both teams have really taken great care of the football. The Bengals have only had one game with more than one turnover all season. That's going to have to continue, of course, under Browning, a new quarterback in there. But they've done collectively a good job of that. Joe Mixon has not fumbled since 2021. So, I mean, just talk about some of those basic foundational things. Ball security, keeping the ball, uh, possessing the football. They do it well. Can the Steelers interior defensive line players make an impact against Volson yes. and Karras and Kappa, who Kappa's not having as, as good a year as Jay, Jay pointed out there? That that seems to be where they are indeed the most vulnerable uh, there. So uh, uh, be a good week for, for Cam Hayward to uh, do some of the things that we've seen him do to some left guards in the past. Including Volson in that week one last year. I mean, remember that? The first play of the season was a sack, him walking Volson back. Next play was Minkus pick six. So uh, Volson may be better this time around. It sounds like, according to Jay, that Volson's still having his struggles. Has not made the jump that Bengals fans and coaches hope for. But yeah, got to collapse it into your pocket because you got a couple of good tackles in Brown. And mm-hmm. uh, Jay talked up Jonah Williams quite a bit. Now, of course, Highsmith and Watt have to make their plays. No excuses, but... Um, the interior line has to collapse things on Browning. Yeah, look, I mean, obviously the your edge rushers are going to get the attention as they should in this game. So you have to make uh, your interior guys, guys like Keanu Benton. I think Benton, and I've, I'm still waiting for that, that, that one. I mean, he's played extremely well without a doubt, but could, could this be the game that two sacks, uh, three tackles for loss. You know, very, a very, very impactful game uh, by Bitten. Yeah, I mean, I think you could do well against these interior linemen that aren't quite as agile and, and quite as uh, good in pass pro. So I think Hayward and Benton have to be, and Ogunjobi as well, have to right. be uh, big-time players. Right. We could be talking a lot about the interior guys on that defensive line for the Steelers' uh, uh, defense if things go right in this game. All right, Dave, Cincinnati's defense, that front seven, it is interesting their run defense has been so poor because that front seven in terms of the individual people is really quality. It's a strong defense line with Hill and Hendrickson. And if Reader's a handful. Reader can be a handful too. Big, big plugger with the run game. The linebackers are excellent. And Wilson, Jermaine Pratt's also made a ton of plays. Wilson gets the attention, but Pratt's come on strong the last two years. And yet, they're 31st in run defense in terms of allowing 5.0 yards per carry. They allow a lot of big plays. Um, they they certainly can be run on, which is good because Pittsburgh, all they can do right now is run the football. Yeah, and boy, they we better come out of this game with them having another good run game overall. Because once again, as you stated, this this is where they seem uh, vulnerable uh, overall. Looking at uh, rush uh, directional uh, for them, uh, especially around the ends and off both tackle positions, uh, they can they can be run on and right guard as well too. Uh, looking at right tack running off right tackle specifically. 32 runs against that defense, uh, which only ranks 11th overall, but 5.91 yards per carry that direction. Worst in the league uh, mm. d- directionally when offenses have run towards their right tackle. And who plays right tackle for the Steelers now? One Broderick Jones. All right. So that's kind of, and, and you know, I, I stated against the brand the last couple of games, I think, run right, run right. So I would... I would look to have my uh, right turn blinker on because they're not <laughs> uh, they're not overly great at right guard either. Forty one runs, which I think is fifth most in the NFL uh, on runs to right guard against that defense. Four point eight three yards 
uh, uh, per carry, right 24th. And I would expect to attack that left end directionally as well, too. They've had problems over uh, on that side, giving up 6.83 uh, yards per carry, 29th in the league. So just, I mean, top to bottom, run the football. And I think some zone schemes in this one, um, as Jay talked about, some of the over-pursuing from the Bengals. That's created cutback lanes. That's a Jalen Warren-type game because he's shifty. He's got great feet. He can cut things back. He may, and, and fans may not love it, but I think this is a chance to get the receivers in the run game. Calvin Austin, I watched a Texans run a reverse that went for good yardage. The Bengals completely over-pursued on that one, and he went for a, a decent chunk of yards. So can you do a little bit of that in there to kind of maybe you know mess with the eyes of the Bengals and make those guys think? Uh, that's something I would explore. How about some more of those tosses? Yeah, you could do that with Warren. Although, again, I mean, the linebackers got to get a hat on on Wilson and, and Pratt because those guys can run. And, and the corners can run support. And, of course, Mike Hilton's there, and he's one of the better right. you know run supporting corners. But, yeah, I think you – to me, I would go just kind of inside zone, gap scheme, um, and, and dart with, with a tackle. And then a receiver run action. That's kind of my, my base plan for the run game in this one. Yeah, just some of the stuff that, once again, the bread and butter that the Steelers mm-hmm. have had in this run game, just eliminate the negative stuff. Yeah, they have to. That is a must for sure. Um, Secondary-wise, coverage-wise, we'll see the status of uh, Taylor Britt. He's their top corner. If they're without him, that's going to be an issue. And, and to me, I know that you know they talked up Dax Hill, and that was kind of the they, – they knew they were going to lose Bates at some point. That's why they drafted Hill. But I think – Losing those two guys, Bates and Bell, has really put strain and stress on that defense and a big reason why you've seen regression this year. They've given up some deep passes this year as well, too. Deep mat, deep uh, middle, not that we're going to see a lot of it. Uh, ranked, <laughs> ranked 27th in the league, only uh, 12 plays overall there. Uh, but deep right, especially if because uh, uh, Dutton Taylor, Britt normally – uh, play on the left left left, left side of theirs, which would be a deep right. Uh, so there's they're 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 figure and look they they they're predominantly zone, but they will uh I think in key down uh key situations situationally situational downs they'll play some man uh in this so you might be able to attack them deep deep right in a lot of situations in this game and have some success. Well, to me, I think the big thing to watch out for is those third down and pass situations because they won't just play man. They will play cover zero. I mean, they will man up and they will they will mug every single gap and they'll play sticks cover with the you know, three or four DBs behind and they'll they'll drop a D tackler or linebacker out. But I mean, they will put some stress and really, you know, create some chaos. And when you're a Pittsburgh team on the road, a loud environment, you're in third and seven, you're facing this, you know, all pressure, some pressure type of look. How do you handle that? So obviously the best way to handle it is staying out of those situations, but inevitably you're going to be in some of those situations. So how do you deal with those really aggressive looks that often become straight cover zero or maybe cover one with the linebacker dropping out as kind of a, a whole player? Kenny Pickett's going to have to really navigate those waters well. I don't know if you saw it in that game against the Ravens. There was one instance where they send the guy off the corner and the Ravens had three receivers to the right uh side of the formation there and they tipped that off that 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 they were sending uh the DB off the the edge in that game and it presented a three on two situation that Lamar Jackson missed on the uh deep corner on that situation mm. uh there so uh it seems like they might have a pro- uh, propensity to tip things way too early with 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 some of their DBs coming off the edge, and if you uh, if you overlook you know if you have if you, 
running a three by one or something like that uh, uh, with with your receivers, you got to see that kind of stuff. Sure. I, w- I would just tell Kenny Pickett in, in the mission for how you build your plan is you have to know where your hot is because they're going to bring some blitzes. They're going to run those cover zero looks. They're going to bring the corner. They're going to bring the safety. Um, you got to know where the hot is and where that ball is going to go quick because there are going to be many times in, 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 in the, the play call, there has to be something built in. Okay. This guy's going to maybe convert his route or he's going to get his head around quick because the ball is going to be hot. So it's not just on Pickett, but you have to know where the ball has to go against some of these blitzes because there will be times where the Bengals are going to bring more people than you have in the block. And that ball has to be out immediately and you have to know where it's, where it's going. Trey Hendrickson's a monster. You're going to have to control in this game. That's, uh, that's, that's, that, that's gotta be, that's, that's their one guy. I mean, Sam Hubbard, I'm not taking anything away from him. We'll see if he even plays in this game on the other side over there. But, uh, uh, Trey Hendricks, Hendrickson can ruin your day in a hurry. Dan Moore is going to have to come up large. He's going to see Hendrickson most of the time. Hendrickson's been consistent and excellent and, and a really good free agent signing for, for them over from New Orleans. So, yeah, I mean, you may see some chips, but hopefully you can do less chipping because Pittsburgh had to do a ton of that last year. A lot of attention paid to those guys, you know, Garrett Smith, et cetera, understandably so, but it kind of limited your route tree because you had to keep those guys in the chip so much. All right. Uh, what else do I have here? Yeah, I think uh, some cover six. You kind of they play quarters, so they make up their coverages pretty pretty good. But I but I just look at the cover zero type stuff that can really make or break you. All right, all right. They special teams as well. They got a really good coordinator over there. Their special teams coordinator's been there for like fifteen years or so. So just watch out for that. Any other final thoughts here with this Bengals team? Uh, no, not all. that. Charlie Jones can is is fun to watch as a punt returner. So you got to tighten the screws on that. Right. Pittsburgh had interest in him coming out of Purdue, and he's a he's a pretty athletic guy. And I, I think just to Jay's point, this is a, a desperate team, but also a team playing with house money because no one expects them to win. So that, there's kind of some things working in their favor right now. All right. All right, Dave, before we make our picks for the Steelers Bengals game, before we make the rest of our picks for week number 12, let's hear from our friends over at my bookie. All right, uh, skip the arguments with Uncle Dave on Thanksgiving and the days after and focus on what really matters. Good food, boosted odds, and hitting those Turkey Day parlays and Turkey Day weekend parlays. Picture this, not just watching the games, but turning every second into a potential win. With my bookie, you can stream you can stream the games and live bet them and turn any game day into a payday. Ready to up your game? Sign up today and make your first deposit with promo code TERRIBLE for a sweet deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's promo code TERRIBLE to claim your bonus. This isn't just a promo code. It's your secret weapon to get the extra edge on the house. The best part is you don't need to be a sports whiz to win at my bookie. You can cash in on everything from politics to your favorite shows and then some. Bet anything, anytime, and anywhere only with my bookie use promo code terrible and go to mybookie.ag today all right and i think i had a clean sweep of my thanksgiving plates uh, picking uh, those three i don't think you had uh you, I had, you didn't go for seconds there Dave. no i had uh i hit the 49ers game that was the only one that i hit uh i think you had the cowboys covering 
as the favorite. You hit mm-hmm. that, and you had the Packers fa- uh, uh, covering as the underdog in that game against the Lions. So kudos to you for a clean sweep there. Let's look and see what we You're have. doing much better for the – I think I'm still below 500 for the season, though. So on the year, I'm just taking my small wins when I can, can get Yeah, them. and look, uh, if you, you keep on with your hot hand the way you have uh, in, in Thanksgiving here, uh, you, you'll catch up in a hurry. I'm, I'm the Jalen Warren of this yeah, uh, there, show right there now. There you go. All right, uh, Miami uh, Friday night football, Black Friday football, Miami Dolphins tonight against the New York Jets. The Dolphins are road nine and a half point favorites here. Yeah. Give me, give me the Dolphins. Do you like this whole Black Friday game kind of deal, Dave? Or you think it's a little too, too much? Uh, I don't mind it. I mean, I, I'll, I'll watch, I love football. So, uh, <laughs> right. uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have a problem with it there. I'll tune in. Uh, you're taking the Dolphins laying a nine and a half. Yes. I will do the same. New Orleans Saints, a uh, uh, NFC South battle. Uh, New Orleans Saints at the Atlanta Falcons. The, the Saints are road favorites by a point and a half. You know what? Give me Atlanta. I just got a feeling about this one. Uh, I'll take the Saints and lay the point and a half on the road there. Jaguars, uh, AFC South battle jaguars go to houston the jaguars are point and a half favorites in this one on the road gonna be a fun one houston blew them out when they met before so surprise jacksonville is the favorite mm, this one's tough i i don't know i just i'm gonna go with my gut again i love cj stroud I'm, I'm gonna go jacksonville all right i think we're being set up here with this line on the road here so i'm gonna take the jaguars on the road to win by a field goal and cover that point and a half there tampa bay buccaneers on the road against the indianapolis colts uh the colts at home laying two and a half points i'll take tampa bay they're on defensive salt kind of make Minshew put some pressure on him so i'll go, I'll go tampa bay yeah i think baker maybe pulls this one out so uh, i will i will take uh the buccaneers to win this one outright so give me the two and a half points new england patriots on the road against the new york football giants patriots are who's going to play quarterback for them i think that was the big question mm. that nobody can get 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 an answer for unsurprisingly when it comes to the patriots but the patriots are road favorites by three and a half points against uh tommy devito right yeah, and this uh, great performance that he had there in a game that we will not be watching, that's for sure. I'll, I don't know, I'll, I'll take the Patriots. I'll begrudgingly take the Patriots as well, too. Patriots are coming off the bye, right? Uh, yes. This, this, uh, yeah. I'll take the Patriots, lay the three and a half points in this one along with you. Panthers on the road against the Titans. Uh, the Titans at home, laying three and a half. Carolina win one more game. Will Frank Wright get fired? They're really up against it. That Panthers run defense, I think, is better. I don't know. I'll take I'll take Tennessee. I'll take Tennessee later three and a half as well, too. Uh the Cardinals are hosting the Rams. The Rams are point and a half road favorites. Not a lot of great games this weekend, it's looking like here. We got spoiled by that uh Chiefs Eagles game. I'll take the Rams. I'll take the Rams, cover that point and a half on the road. Browns. On the road against Denver, close, closer spread than probably what you th- might think uh, because of that Browns defense, mm-hmm. but obviously uh, the quarterback situation there. Uh, the Broncos are point-and-a-half home favorite versus mm. the Browns. I know how meager that Browns offense looked, but that defense is still elite, and they're better than either side of the ball that Denver has offense, defense. I'm going to go Cleveland. 
I'll go Denver in the well, – it wouldn't be an upset because yeah. they're favored, but uh, I, I think Denver maybe pulls this one out late in a low-scoring game, so I'll lay the point and a half there. Uh, what will should be a good game, uh, Buffalo Bills at the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles pulling one out against the Chiefs the other uh, night. The Eagles are three-point home favorites against the Bills. Yeah, just they play a bit cleaner football overall. Give me Philadelphia. I'll take the Bills in an upset here. Uh, so I'll take the three points there. The Raiders are hosting the Chiefs. The Chiefs are road favorites by nine points against the Raiders. Chiefs, kind of some some cracks in their game right now. Trying, to, I think they're like Buffalo where they need that other weapon. They have like a you know a top dude, obviously in Kelsey. The Bills have Diggs. You don't have those other kind of options. They drop a ton of passes. So actually, do the Raiders play the Chiefs well? These are all questions I should have known before we started the show. Give me Kansas City. I'll take the Chiefs to win, but the Raiders plus the nine there. Baltimore Ravens on the road against the Chargers. The Ravens are three and a half point road favorites against the Chargers. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Baltimore. Give me the Ravens. I'll take the Ravens to lay the three and a half points there. And finally, before we get to the Steelers game, the Bears on the road against the Vikings. The Vikings are three point home favorites. I'll take the Bears. I'll say the Bears find a way to, to at least cover this one. I'm not going against Joshua Dobbs. I'll take the <laughs> Vikings lay the three points there. That circles us back to the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road against the Cincinnati Bengals. The Steelers are point and a half road favorites in this one. Always nervous about these games, especially seeing what happened against Cleveland. You know, backup quarterback doesn't mean you're going to win this game. I think the Bengals have a strong front seven on paper in terms of the, the individual players, but their run defense has really struggled. I think Pittsburgh will be able to make some plays. They got to get a couple of picks off one of these backup quarterbacks, you would think. So and in, in just kind of maybe that breath of fresh air that, that Faulkner and Sullivan can breathe into this offense. Not that I'm expecting a huge turnaround or giant production, but just there's some benefit to that, I believe. So I got Pittsburgh in this one, Dave, 20 to 17 over the Bengals. I got it close to your score there. I think they get a little jump in your step. They 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 fix a few things that have been going wrong overall. Uh, playing against an inexperienced uh, quarterback in Browning, I think obviously uh, favors the Steelers in this one. I think they can shut that run game down. I think they can get a couple of takeaways uh, on defense there, make uh, a couple more explosive plays, hopefully on offense here. I have them even cracking the 20 mark in this one, probably a defensive touchdown for the Steelers or something. 22 to 17 uh, in this one. Yeah, I'll Look, uh, you make changes for a reason. <laughs> uh, they, 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 they better respond to it. This is a very winnable game for the quarterback situation alone. Uh, sure. I, I think, uh, give me the Steelers doing, uh, a, you know, looking a little bit better overall on both sides of football, 22, 17. How are they getting to 22? Get like a safety or a bunch of field goals or missed extra points. You know, me any, and these odd scores. You love the score. I, 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 I love these odd scores because even though you don't hit them most of the time, the one time that you can do is the most re you have the recent, uh, bias mm-hmm. going, uh, going on in there. You say, oh, well, Dave called that one. Uh, that's not scoregami. You're like a scoregami. I think fiend you're, you're, you're looking for, I, I wouldn't imagine 22, 17 yeah. score, scoregami, right? 
How often do you think 2217 happens, though? I mean, I'm researching this. I promise we're going to get. The I am this going one. to guess 40, <laughs> 43 times. Oh, I don't think it's that many. I think it's like 15 max. But let's let's see. You think 43 times 22 to 17 final 22, 22 times. 2217 oh. has happened. Funny enough. All Last right. time it happened, it's happened. Earlier this year, the Vikings beating the 49ers. It looks like 22 to 17. Has Pittsburgh ever been in a 22 17 game? These are all important things for us to find out. Uh, it does not actually, they in 2010, they lost to the Jets 22 to 17. Okay. All right. Good information that's entirely useless for you guys, but there you go. Uh- all right. All right, Dave, those are our picks for the week. Let's get to a couple of reader emails and close out today's show. Let's see if we have a few new ones here. Uh, Bryce uh, writes in, based on Sullivan's past, what are some tendencies and things he likes to call? What would you say his personality has been as a previous play caller? I mean, you got to go back several years for that. I, I haven't even... It's been a while since I looked at uh, Mike Sullivan as a play caller with tendency. I mean, it's impossible really to, because, because look, I mean, I, I think you got to look at this schematically for, for and, and offense and how we're not expecting a lot of changes overall. I mean, you'd have to drill this down. Maybe what he likes to call situationally. I, I don't have an answer for that. Yeah, I don't have a great answer. Um, you could refer back to the article I wrote after he got hired as quarterbacks coach entitled Film Room. How quarterbacks coach Mike Sullivan will teach the Steelers next franchise arm. He goes to his family at coverages and the way that you kind of read things pre-snap, post-snap, anticipate uh, rotations. That's kind of more of a, a nuts and bolts. I think he's a, a disciplined, you know, technical detail guy. I mean, he was literally in the army and, and coached there and I believe played there. And um, I think he's kind of a stickler for those types of things and just doing the foundational things correctly. But uh, I probably not done the level of research to talk about his philosophy, uh, big picture as an OC but I do have a, a pretty detailed film room from a clinic that he did kind of teaching the basic coverages and, and how those things work. Uh, he writes, TJ said the defense has to do a better job with the quick and shorter passing game. So what would you like to see Austin and Tomlin do differently to take away the shorter type of throws? Well, from a passer standpoint, it's hard to really get pressure when the ball's coming out in 2.1 seconds. So as they talked about getting your hands up, batting balls, is kind of the, maybe the next best thing you can do. And of course, stopping the run to put teams in the second and third and long where they can't utilize the short passing game where you invite that, go loud, you know, throw short on third and 11, that's fine. But other than that, and maybe corners take chances, depends on the coverage you want to play behind. Um, but I think basically comes down to stopping the run to eliminate the short passing game. Right. Get them out of situationals where that'd be beneficial for them if they even complete them. Right. Exactly. Uh, let's move on here to Jeff Berg, middle of the field and wide open receivers. Happy post Thanksgiving after watching football all day. Two common questions reared their heads. Question one, why is it that every team can use the whole field in a passing game and the Steelers seem to be unable to? Throws to the running backs, tight ends, and wide receivers over the middle are commonplace seam routes, tight ends leaking out, running backs running angle routes. Uh, why, you know, basically, look, I mean, that it's the age-old question, why haven't the Steelers been using the middle of the field more? I wish I had an answer. I mean, if I had that, I'd, I'd bottle it and sell it, man. To Pittsburgh specifically. Um, I mean, I think there's, you know, some some lack of talent. Tight ends have been hurt. Um, you know, Austin, I, I don't think Pittsburgh knows what to do with Calvin Austin right now. I don't know if they know how he wins and how he can work in this offense. Um, but, you know, some of it can be scheme, what defenses are doing. But I just, 
It's been going on for a long time now, even before Kenny, before Canada. I, I don't have a good answer. All right. Uh, Brandon Fry. Let's see this from a couple of days ago. He says, hey, guys, keep a uh, big fan. Keep up the great work. You said something on the post Canada firing discussion that I can't help but disagree with when you said ultimately it doesn't matter if the decision came from Rooney or Tomlin. To me, the way the Steelers operate with these big deci- decisions is the most important thing concerning the franchise, if you are of the opinion that a huge issue with this team for years on end is how Tomlin picks his offensive coaching staff, he says, I am, then I would love to know if he is over, if he was overridden and the decision came from the top. I personally think Tomlin has some big strengths, but please Steelers, uh, but please Steelers for God's sake, help with some of these macro level offensive stuff. Just my two cents. So he's, he's saying that it, 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 it basically long story short, he, he puts a lot of weight in who the decision came from when it came to firing and hiring. I get that Rooney or Tomlin. Sure. And when I said it doesn't matter, I guess I was more to the point of, okay, he's gone. They're moving on. Let's see what the new, version looks like with Faulkner and Sullivan. But I, but I understand the point there. The reporting has really indicated, I think Diana Rossini had the report that it, it did basically stem from Tomlin. There was a conversation with Art Rooney prior to the actual firing taking place to kind of, I guess, get his blessing. But if you believe that report, and Rossini's pretty solid, it, it was Tomlin that, that you know basically was the catalyst to that to that decision. All right. Uh, I don't, I don't, I haven't spent a lot of time anymore thinking about it other than they've gone a different direction now. Uh, let's see. I think we got through all of them caught up for the most part. We're running a little bit long on this Friday as usual because of the guests and all. So it's probably a good time to wrap things up and we will be back on Monday to talk about Steelers versus Bengals, uh, result. Hopefully they need this one. Don't they? Oh boy. Do they need they this do. one? They do. I, it's going to be a long Monday if they lose to the Bengals, Dave. Let's put it. Yeah, uh, and especially if the if Balt if Baltimore and and Cleveland win their games and all. Uh, and look, you're doing a little bit of scoreboard watching at this point with some of those other teams in there fighting for a wild card position, and uh, they really need this one. It'd be it'd be great for us to be talking about you know, five, seven, eight point winner and, and Kenny looking, you know, Kenny, Kenny looking better overall. So here's the hoping we have, we have an optimistic uh, outlook coming out of this game overall uh, and, and more importantly with a W. So until Monday, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot, follow Alex at Alex underscore Kazora, follow the show at Terrible Podcast, email the show the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, SteedersDepot.com, hit the donate button up right navigational bar. Also, if you like an ad free version of the site, uh, SteedersDepot.com, find the ad free button and follow the directions that way. Shout out again to Jay Morrison for uh, joining us today. Get on the Twitter machine and thank him for his time if you get a chance to do so and and hopefully you have a great rest of your uh holiday weekend here as well so uh until monday as always thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with dave and alex